cross-generational podcast dedicated to discovering and rediscovering the social, political, and personal impact of the Mary Tyler Moore Show. I'm one of your hosts, Ariel Fisher. And I'm Sylvia McCann. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, another episode, another uh, another episode, another episode. <laughs> so it is episode so six. So many episodes. So many episodios. Episodio. Episodio. It is episodio six, cover boy, wherein we meet Ted Baxter's brother, He's a Oy, model. There's two of them. There's oy, There's two of them, and they're they're equal, they're so much more insufferable together. They really are. They are. I know. And this one's a Treva Silverman episode, which is yay. We saw her name come up on the screen and just immediately mm. went Treva. We love you, Treva, baby, darling. You're wonderful. But so yeah, uh, interesting. Just to 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 jump things off the care so that you have some knowledge of actually why this casting choice was was so brilliant. The uh, the actor cast to play Hal Baxter, Ted's brother, is Oscar, uh, sorry, Jack Cassidy, uh, who played the character Oscar North on the 1967 sitcom He and She. Oscar North was the basis for the character of Ted Baxter. This is so synchronicitous is that a word i don't know i don't know but it is there is great synchronicity the force is synchronicity the force is strong with this one i know (laughs) that was an inspired choice of casting completely yeah and it's it's great because they do actually look very similar they do it's ted what's what's the actor's last name ted knight ted knight ted knight and uh jack Jack Cassidy cassidy actually look very they so, do. They look like they could be brothers. Yes, absolutely. And the and they perform very similar. Well, obviously, because it I was mean, Jack Cassidy's character that was the right. genesis for the idea. So they would have cast someone who could portray that. And they did with Ted Knight. Mm-hmm. But so we get to see them together. And it's it's not as simple as, well, his brother comes to town. They're very competitive. And pathologically they, competitive. So bad. And the entire episode, there's, you know, Ted can't risk being seen as less than. So all of a sudden he's getting all of the news right. And he tries to get Mary to pretend to be his girlfriend. And just a calamity ensues. Uh. This is a level of sibling rivalry. Now, we've seen sibling rivalry on the show before. That's right. With the Arnells. Yes. The episode Howard's Girl. The good brother and the bad brother. The good brother and the bad brother. And Howard Arnell, who was insufferable, who we saw Howard in one of the earliest episodes, the second or third episode, where Rhoda and Mary uh, have a double date. And Rhoda invites the man that she hit with her car. And he brings his wife. 
Yes. yes. That's Paul Arnell. Oh, that's Howard yeah. Arnell. The, the man that Marion invites, who she had dated previously in the past, she invites Howard. And then later, she's dating Paul, his brother, who's played by the same actor. And in that episode, we meet his parents and, well, their parents, and learn about the difference between the two and how Howard Arnell is, you know, he makes, uh, you know, chintzy joke items, like at the It store. And he is a real clown and very awkward and very uncomfortable. And then Paul is this sophisticated, funny, intelligent uh, political speechwriter. That's right. And campaign person. Yeah. Yeah. And quite earnest in his, in his, you know, democratic political views. Very. Yeah. And kind of the black sheep of the family. Yeah. And you get that competition. Because he doesn't make money yes. on chachkas. Exactly. He makes a very good living, though. I even remember that from the episode. He yeah. makes a very good living doing yeah. something so remarkable. But his parents can't see through that. Yeah. In this instance, instead, we're getting kind of the the sibling rivalry from the vantage point of trying to, I guess, gain the admiration of the other sibling. So it's not about yes. the parents in this one, although no. they do talk about why they are the way they are, and it has to do with their parents. But in the, more than anything, it's the attempt at one-upmanship. That's right. And not being able to appear as weak. And, you know, again, Ted starts getting the news right every single time. And Murray's uh, kind of like going, okay, what's going on here? There's a yeah, full moon. how is this possible? Exactly. Did you ever have that feeling with your sisters? Of, of sibling rivalry? Of one-upmanship. One-up womanship. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Uh, we're... And we've, I think we've talked about this before on, on other episodes. Um, we're fairly far apart in age, the three of us. There's five years between myself and Dora, and there's seven and a half years between Claudia and I. We were never in school together. Like, we were never in, in yeah, we were never actually in the same school at the same time, mm-hmm. but one of us preceded the other, so we did go to the same school. But years later, we were all good students, so uh, from that point of view I don't think it was an issue mm-hmm. and it's interesting in retrospect so so the short answer is no yeah but it's interesting in retrospect talking to Claudia my younger sister who will say that she uh, thought that I was so grown up mm-hmm. and I was so sophisticated and I was so worldly when your father and I got married you know in 1978 Mm -hmm. and so she would have been whatever 15 years old or thereabouts so she was a kid yeah and we had this nice apartment in midtown and i had a grown-up job and i had all these things and over the years she's kind of made reference to that that when she was that age and and she she thought that i was the epitome of sophistication which (laughs) i find laughable (laughs) but so so that's about the only kind of reference to and it's not rivalry no, as not much at all. as just it's admiration it's admiration and it's like oh i want to be her mm-hmm. whereas um, with this it seems like it's so different oh, it's it's nasty and it seems so innately male yeah well yes like I'm, yes I'm and say no yes but i but i don't really know because i imagine there are a, a number of oh yeah women who have adversarial or or uh, um competitive 
type relationships with their with their sisters but i feel like women and and i mean stop me if i'm wrong and i'm i i'm generalizing here but i feel like we internalize that competitiveness yes more than anything like we don't in this case you have this brazen oh, well i right this well i that well i this well i oh, that no. and it's very overt it's very you know it's very external. It's my dick is longer than yours. I completely. It's a total women, pissing contest. And women generally don't do that. No. No. So I agree with you. It's like if you had um, a, even a, a, a subtle sense of jealousy towards your sibling, mm-hmm. I want to be like them, it would never be overt. It would be like, I want to be like them, so I'm going to hide that and I'm going to work on being more like them. Yes. In, internally. And then there's, you know, the, the soul-rotting anxiety that comes from not being like them that you just keep with you and bury deep in your soul until you die. <laughs> you know, all those things. <laughs> all, those, all those minor little things there. <laughs> That's also what I mean by the internalization, right? Yeah. Is that, well, like, granted, there is a lot of internalization happening here with Ted and Hal, is that you do get, clearly they've both been internalizing some issues with That's right. the feelings of inadequacy towards one another, but they never really externalize that. Even by the end, when they're talking about their flaws and Mary convinces Ted, well, why don't you be the first to stop this? Yes. And you to, know, to stop the one up in the ship. Exactly. Yeah. You get this kind of overt, just, okay, here's honesty for you. But a lot of that is rooted in, um, well, one, it's still kind of rooted in a sick, twisted one-upmanship. Yeah. It's but, like, you want to be honest? I'll show you honesty. Yeah, if you want to. Here's honesty. Yeah. But it's, it, it it feels like in that instance, they're kind of, it's it's an external practice to mask emotion. which yeah. Which does feel innately male, at least, especially of the time. I, I agree. And I, and I think it's very much the male initially when when Hal comes in and it's like so how are you doing Ted I'm doing and uh and Ted I think I don't remember his reply but but then Hal retorts back with well I'm doing $25,000 a year worth of fine yeah or something to that effect so so their external yardstick of success money car mm-hmm. uh um those kinds of things and Profession. those are those are innately male yeah and the job right the job you know because he he's a model but he does commercials but exactly which is kind of it's funny double-edged sword there yeah like it's i mean and which isn't to say that acting in commercials is is somehow beneath anyone but it's he behaves as if he's clark gable right and he's not and and he he advertises socks exactly and, and again, there's nothing wrong with that, right. except that he treats Ted as if he's, you know, the scum on his shoe, right. as if he's beneath him. You know, oh, you have, you know, what he, the way he speaks about an anchor position that you would give to senior staff. And it's so dismissive and it's so hurtful. Mm. And it almost, it becomes this kind of petty back and forth of knock you down a peg so that I can feel better about myself. Yeah, I mean, like... Yeah, and now that I'm just going through this, I can't fathom you and Dora and Claudia ever okay. having anything like not that. Not at all. No. Not even remotely. No, and I, and I think you're right. I think women generally are not that way. Mm-hmm. We tend to um, prop our sisters up. 
Yeah. Our real sisters and our and our soul sisters. Uh, yes. yes. Our the the family we chose and the family and the, we and the family we were born into. Right. And uh, but even we're, like with we're happy for them when yes. they when they have success. Very. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've had the instances with people that I was not, I wouldn't say frenemies with, but because I don't really know how to do that. Because if I, if I don't, if I You're don't like you. a friend or an enemy. There's no in between. Yeah, not really. Yeah. But for the people that I'm, for the people that I'm super, super close with, when they get those milestones. You're super happy. I'm so happy. Of course. I'm so happy How for could you them. not be? And then, but the, you know, then there's the, the acquaintances, the people that I'm not necessarily that close with, and they get something that I want, and I look at them, and I think, you know, I deserve it, and you don't. Fuck you, bitch. <laughs> with <laughs> with <laughs> love, <laughs> but a little love, bit fuck of you, bitch. damn it. Why didn't I? I could do that. Why am I not? Oh, that's on me. And then you get into that whole thing. You can't do what they're doing because you chose to do something different. Yeah. Choices. Choices. It's all about choices. <laughs> so, and apropos to of of that. Uh, and I mentioned to you about the book that, and I finished reading it, and you're welcome to have it on your on your Kindle, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Yes. You must read it. I must read it. You must read because it. Because my, my process of not giving a fuck is not subtle. <laughs> my, my not giving a fuck is an overt kind of a practice, and it's a little aggressive, and I can probably work on the subtlety of it. So right. this would be, I think, is this an instructional manual? Uh, you know, an instructional manual? A little bit. It can be. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. It's it's kind of self-effacing. <clears throat> the guy is just a dude. He's and he's very upfront about his shortcomings in his life and how he stumbled upon his current life, mm-hmm. but. He went through a lot of rough times, mm-hmm. uh, so it's a it's a very interesting story, and I mean he touches upon some sort of universal truths about how we are and how we make choices in life and and how to not give a fuck. Right. So it's very good. I will have to give it a read. You must give it a read. But in terms of the this kind of interaction, like because I don't think Derek and I have ever even been remotely like that. Like we talk about, we were mentioning, you know, so we we don't behave that way with our sisters, whether by blood or or right. or, or spirituality and just our our, our love, our, our sisters. Like I wouldn't behave that way with Jenna, and she's my sister in so many right. ways. I I wouldn't behave that way with Derek either, though. But Derek no. wouldn't behave that way with me. No. And I don't know if that's... Derek is a very not competitive individual. Mm. In, in that regard. Well, no. We're both, com- both of us are competitive. But I think we understand that the, our competitiveness manifests in, in, in an, an emotional state as opposed to an active behavior. You know, we don't behave competitively. Towards the other person. Yeah. Whether no. it's each other or other people. Right. But we do kind of go through the motions of jealousy. Yeah. Which I suppose I, is different than competitiveness. I suppose. I mean, I think that, you know, they're intertwined. But do you feel jealous of Derek? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sometimes I feel very jealous of Derek. And I, and I now know because he told me that sometimes he feels jealous of me, which I have to admit was a huge ego boost. <laughs> And how, in, in what, in your professional lives? Because I've been published before him. Oh, yeah, that's true, you have. So that was when, because I was published in uh, a small Canadian publishing company called Spectacular Optical. They talk about 
films and media and, and culture. And I was in, I, I wrote 20 capsule reviews for their latest book called Yuletide Terror, or one of their more recent books called Yuletide Terror. It was about uh, Christmas horror in, in film and television. And that was a two year long process of writing and editing and sending things back and forth until eventually the book was published. And it was published before Derek has been able to get his novel published. Right. So, and it was, I want to say it was around Christmas this year or around it Hanukkah was. or something. It was. When he, we were, we were having, no, but we were at your, we were at your place. We were having a gathering okay. of family for, I don't know if it, it, it might've been for the holidays. It might've even been for Rosh Hashanah, but he, you know, came and sat down next to me outside. And I think I was having a cigarette at the time. And he, like, I was showing him the trailer for the book and everything. Cause they made advertising for it and everything. And he says, you know, I, and you could see, I could see him kind of being reluctant to say this. Cause again, Derek is the less emotional of the two of us. Absolutely. Um, He's still emotional, but he exhibits it vastly differently. And he kind of, he just said, you know, like, I have to admit, I'm a little bit jealous that you're getting published before me, but I'm very, very, very proud of you. And it was kind of like, I like, I started to tear up. This means so much coming from you. And it does. Of course it does. My big brother. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I've told him this in the past and I will likely tell him it, uh, this again and, you know, in, in, in many ways, he is the person, he is someone that I wish I could be. I, you know, he, he, in his, in his ability and as a, as a writer, um, in his confidence, his ease in social situations, you know, the way he kind of can just be the most charming and likable man in the room and, and everybody likes him. I have always been jealous of his ability to blend in socially. To, to navigate the social streams. Yeah. Because I never I never had that ease. I still don't to some extent. I can get, I can be really intense. And, and I don't think that's a bad thing. And I don't re- resent that in myself. But I can get really intense and get awkward in social situations. Because your intensity kind of puts people off? Maybe. But also just I can get kind of awkward. Because I do, I, I mean, I have, I, I deal with anxiety, I deal with depression. So sometimes when I am, like, I, I come off as a bit of an extrovert. But I'm an introverted extrovert and an extroverted introvert, however you want to swing that. Okay. So there are, when I'm in public, if I'm in, like, a large crowd, sometimes I'm just, you know, drifting from person to person and having conversations and everything's fine. But a lot of the time I feel really insecure. Okay. And... Uh, Especially if it's an unfamiliar crowd and I'm trying to kind of suss out the room. So I can get a little just awkward in trying to figure out how to fit in. And this is radio, so you can't see the strange body language I'm doing as I'm trying to mimic She's the, looking the weirdness. Like, you know, the monster from the Black Lagoon. Master. Mm-hmm. More like Igor. 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 <laughs> they told me it was Froderick. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. You're putting me on. No, it's pronounced Frankenstein. Do you also say Froderick? No, Frederick. Well, why isn't it Froderick Frankenstein? It isn't, it's Frederick Frankenstein. I see. You must be Igor. No, it's pronounced Igor. 
But they told me it was Eagle. Well, they were wrong then, weren't they? Never. That was a movie reference, by the way. For the, one, one of her many. One of my many. One of your many. Uh, <laughs> one of my personal faves. <laughs> Young Frankenstein. It's Abby Normal. So sometimes I feel very Abby Normal. This is true. So Embrace your Abby Normality. I, you know, I wish I could. I, I do get jealous of Derek's ability to at least appear as if he doesn't feel Abby Normal. Well, I was going to say, because I think sometimes it's 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 what you perceive. I don't know if it's necessarily what he feels. Mm-hmm. It may be. In some situations, it probably is. Um, I don't know. I, 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 sometimes he seems very not engaged mm-hmm. and very much in his own little bubble yeah um but you've seen him you've probably seen him in in more social situations than i have yes especially with your peers yes. more so than with family with family it's different because you you can choose to engage or you can just hang out and turn on the tv kind of thing <laughs> yeah you know and say yeah i don't want to engage i'm tired i just want to you know watch hockey yeah so. I just want to put on Jeopardy because I, I have don't. cable now and I can do that. That's it. Now you can be a total <laughs> geek like your mother and watch Jeopardy every night. Yay! Yay! But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that that level of one-upmanship that's in the episode feels so. I mean, it is so caricaturish, but it also feels it is very male. It, it feels very male. It's yes, like you I, know. I think it feels male, and it's interesting. It it brought to mind. Former friends of ours that um, when I was still married to your dad Mm -hmm. and um, we were friends with a couple that we were friends with since high school. Mm -hmm. And I remember the conversations, especially amongst the men, you know, the women would chat and the men would chat and they would talk about my stereo is bigger than your stereo really? and my car is newer than your car and oh, all God. that kind of stuff and I just I remember those interactions and even then thinking this is shit man like who cares like why is this a thing why is this even remotely important mm-hmm. some uh, weird source of pride some weird source of pride that your equipment is more expensive, bigger, higher fidelity mm. uh, than than your friend. Yeah. yeah, which is just such bullshit. It is such bullshit. Yeah, I yeah. mean, granted, it's at the same time. Like I look at some of my friends, like my like like my friend Dan, who is one of he's he's actually one of the proprietors of the Modern Superior website okay has such an amazing media setup every now and then i see pictures of it and i just kind of go fuck you man i wish i had that so like yeah i guess we do we do kind of we covet other people's stuff yes well because stuff is status whether we'd like to admit it's not but it but it is in our world it is and i wish it wasn't yeah you covet my eyebrows I right. I I have been staring at them the whole time. I keep looking at your beautifully quaffed new eyebrows and kind of just like, man, those are nice. Tense. And you don't have to do anything with them in the morning anymore. Fuck. Yeah, that's it. But it. I guess. Well, I guess that's the thing, right? It doesn't even come down to in this case. It's, it's this level of competitiveness is is put forward as sibling rivalry and it, yes. and it is in this context specifically but it's also indicative of a larger i think societal problem 
where we 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 covet what we don't have so mm-hmm. much so that we forget what we do and even by the end of the episode when they're starting to say well i have glasses well i'm not even you know they don't even want my face for this commercial they want want my feet and you know this that and the other all of the various flaws even become almost like for competition well yeah like who can become the most human yeah and you know i know that there have been pissing contests i've i've watched it happen where you know someone's talking about a recent trauma and then there's well, when I went through this, and that's that was painful. So I know how you feel, and but I really know how you feel because when I went through this, and like you get, but you, but we all do it. Yeah, I've I mean, done it to people in the past. People have done it to me in the past. I'm sure. sure people have done it to you in the past. Very much so. Yeah, and it, but it, and it, it, it you know, from grief to to. from grief to cars (laughs) and everything in between we're going to we do that because that's kind of i think it's human nature we we tend to we want to be the specialist of the specials we want to be the we want to be the best we want to be we, we want our mother to like us best and our literal or figurative mother will like us best if we have the most things or make the most money or can cope with the most pain or, or whatever or, or, or yeah but it's interesting in in the episode when they when they finally sort of come clean mm-hmm. about their the nature or the the, the nature of their competitiveness and yeah. where that came from yeah. and i think it was how who says um you know it's it, it came from our parents like they would buy one toy and just kind of throw it at us and and mm-hmm. one of us would get it and i mean that that, that sounds a, a little far fetched so cartoonish it's very cartoonish and it, yeah it's like that idea in friends where it's like yeah if you lived with Mo- if you lived with monica you if you didn't eat fast you didn't eat will certain other people take 2 hours to eat a bowl of soup oh please you inhale your food i grew up with monica if you didn't eat fast you didn't eat Used oh, to, she was a fat girl. That's she was right. a fat girl. I forgot. And that was, oh, there's so many issues. It's funny because, like, hindsight, and you're looking at these shows going, fuck, that was a really, really problematic discourse about fat shaming. But, yeah, so it's kind of, I guess, that, that atmosphere as a child where if you didn't act fast, you didn't get what you wanted. And if you didn't right. get what you wanted, you had to compete for it. And that kind well, of... Well, it's funny you say that, and apropos of food, because mm-hmm. friends of ours, the, the husband is the oldest of seven children. Oh. And to this day, he eats fast. He eats like incredibly fast. And he said, because otherwise, you when I was eat. a kid, if you didn't grab your food quickly and eat it quickly, like there'd be nothing left. Shit. It's, it's weird, the things that stick with you from childhood. Oh, yeah. 70 years later. That are almost traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. They I so mean, we're talking food. It's pretty basic. It's basic, but I mean, it's influenced by everything. If you yeah. think about it. I mean, even if you think food about. Food is love. Food is love. Food is life. If you think about the way people interacted with food immediately after the war. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you never leave your plate. And you never leave food on your plate because you don't know when you're going to get another meal. That's true. And during the Depression, same idea, right? You get these interactions. But, as per usual, we digress. Oh. (laughs) What would an episode be without digression? No. But that has been episode six, where we finally get to meet Ted's brother, who is actually the inspiration for the character altogether, which is... That, that in and of itself is hilarious. And next week, didn't you used to be... Wait, don't tell me. 
That's the name of the episode. Episode 7. Assuming that the relentless Howard Arnell won't be going, Mary decides to attend a high school reunion, and Rhoda comes along. So I guess we get to see Howard again. Yet again. Yes, a as we're just character. discovering Howard. So interesting. And Richard Shaw is back as Howard. So this should be very interesting. Very. And that episode will be written by Jay Sandwich. Cool. Uh, cool. As opposed to our beloved Treva Silverman. She'll be back. But in the meantime, you should go over to the various social medias. So head on over, check us out on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at After All Cat Podcast. Uh, you can cat also... Post? Po- cat, cat, what? Cat, cat, cat Post? Cat Is that what I said? Podcast? No. You were about to say. I was, I'm, I was about to say cast. Because again, I keep missing... Mix, blah, 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 blah. Mixing up the various... Because I have two podcasts, right? There's a frame apart, and now there's... And there is also After All. So I, every now and then when we're recording for after, for a frame apart... See, I did it again. When we're recording for a frame apart, I'll say After All and vice versa. So not a frame apart, but on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, etc. You can look us up at After All Podcast. You can also send us emails to afterallpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And head on over to iTunes where you absolutely should subscribe to the show. It helps. And... Until next time.